Helvetia Rocked is a Swiss national association raising awareness about gender inequality in the music industry while supporting, promoting and connecting professional female, inter, non-binary and trans artists. Through its grassroots projects such as producing, DJing, band workshops and songwriting camps, it offers platforms for young people of all levels to discover music and be part of an empowering community. Find out more on our website helvetziarocked.ch Sign up for the newsletter and follow us on social media. Musicians in Conversation is sponsored by Suiza, the cooperative society of music authors and publishers in Switzerland. Hi everyone, welcome to Helvetia Rocked Musicians in Conversation. My name's Natalia Anderson and I'm a presenter, content creator and DJ. In this episode, I'm talking with Muriel Reiner, who is the bass guitarist and lead singer of the band Delilahs. She's also an intrinsic part of the Helvetia Rock team, organising songwriting workshops, band workshops and producing weekends. Muriel has many years experience in the music industry, from being signed at 16 years old to touring around the world with her band Delilahs. She shares with us what she's learned over the years, including how to say no and standing up for yourself. She also talks about rebuilding the reputation of her band after the early hype. She shares with us two songs from Delilah's and answers an audience question. And don't forget, if you have a question for one of our coaches, simply send a direct message to Helvetia Rocked on Instagram. In the meantime, here's my conversation with Muriel Reiner. Hi, I'm Muriel from the Delilahs and you're listening to Helvetia Rocked Musicians in Conversation. Hi Muriel, thank you so much for joining me on Musicians in Conversation. How are you today? I am fine. Hi, I'm very happy to be here in, in that lovely podcast with you. Oh, I'm so happy to have you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start the interview with the question that I ask everyone, and that is, how did you get started on your musical journey? Well, well, I think I have to go back when I was like seven or six years old. I used to, um, we used to, as a, as a family, listen to a lot of music at home. I used to dance around. I used to really sort of grab everything that was there dancing around with music, shouting. I, I guess I didn't sing. I guess I just <laughs> I was just shouting. And then I started with actually playing keyboards because I thought with a keyboard you really have you already have sort of a band with yourself alone in your room. That's how That's I started. True. Then I had to start, you know, playing uh, with notes and everything. That wasn't my cup of tea. I always love to listen to music and then play along while I'm listening to it. And then actually my mom forced my brother to take me in his school band. And there I started as the third keyboard. Oh, <laughs> so that third I was keyboard. <laughs> the third keyboard. You have to really, yeah, you have to be good to be the third keyboard in a school band. And I, I think I was, I was around... 11 years old yeah and that's how yeah. it all started and then you know from then 
um, the band got smaller and smaller and smaller. I became the first keyboard. Then we were a trio, uh, my brother, a drummer, and me, myself on the keyboards. And then I thought keyboard is actually quite, well, it's not so cool on stage. Let's say it like that. <laughs> then I started to play the bass because there was we were in need of a bass. And that's yeah. how I started to play bass. And that's how I started to sing as well, playing bass and singing at the same time. That's brilliant. And this, this is all before you're like 16. This is all very young. Yeah, yeah. Very young. Yeah, exactly. I love and I was actually such a such a shy kid. So I wouldn't I would have never asked my my brother or, or anyone to 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 become a part of a band or, you know, I was so shy and quiet. But my mom really just pushed me in it. And I'm very thankful for that. After being the third keyboard, um, we were a trio. We played, I think, quite some shows actually in Zouk. The, I'm talking about the band with my brother called Attic. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Attic with a great name. That's brilliant. And, <laughs> yeah. And then I remember that my, my brother was um, dating Isabella, our guitarist in Delightus. And he said, why don't you make a band with Isabella and her friends? She's a female drummer. They would love to have a band. They saw you on stage. So what, could you, couldn't you just start another band? I was already having two bands. So I said, well, yeah, I have to do it because it's your girlfriend. I want to be nice. So that's how actually the Delilah's um, started. <laughs> we were playing some some crappy covers of like um, Four Non Blondes. Hey, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Love yeah. that. We did all that. <laughs> we did all the cliches. And then we had a concert in Zouk that was Waldburgisnacht. That, that's the night where, where we celebrate the witches and everything. Mm-hmm. So they booked a trio of girls and um, we played there. <laughs> and actually in that concert, there um, went, uh, that concert, we met our uh, future manager and he came to see us. He was from the UK. He was really blown away, not by the way we played. We were actually, we weren't such a good band, but he saw a lot of potential. And that's how that journey started. And I think that must have been like 17 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and then it all started. I actually started in a in a crazy way because we were working with the manager and another producer for more than one year, um, and then we had the pop uh, the the opportunity to play a support support show for the Stereophonics. You yeah, know and the that's band, a big right? Band, yeah, yeah, As yeah, from Wales. Exactly. Big British band. But but how did what does that look like when you are working with a manager and a producer? What 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 does that look like? Do they organize the studio time? Like how are responsibilities sort of balanced out? You know, I have to say, um, now I, I'm I'm 34 years old, so now I know a lot more and now it's different to work with these people. But when you're like mm. 16, 17, you just don't nothing. You don't know nothing. Mm. And that was actually quite hard. And that's why we split up with him after two, two or three years, because, I mean, that wasn't a collaboration. It was more a sort of, uh, yeah, I want to make you big sort of story, right. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that wasn't wasn't actually good. A good thing in the end. I mean, we we could profit a lot. Um, you know, we learned a lot. We we yeah. had um, we had a huge media hype actually when we started. That that happened just after the support kick. We could play for the Stereophonics because there the media saw us. But that was yeah. our third real concert we ever played, and that wow. was in the Pala Exeter in front of a thousand five hundred. So the media actually jumped jumped quite on us and. We had a huge hype with such a lot of media in Switzerland. We went to UK. Um, some labels came here to see us. I mean, Island Records flew in <gasps> to Switzerland to see us. 
They wanted to sign us and everything. And it wasn't a really healthy environment to grow up as a musician, I'd say. Because it was hard to figure out what do I want, actually? What can I do? Mm. And what do others really want to make me? Um, In sense of they saw the potential in us. Uh, but I don't think they really saw me as a musician, for example. They just saw three girls, young girls, quite cute. Um, we could sell that. Basically, yeah. it was that. So, yeah, working with producers and managers is, is a good one, is a, is a good step to do. But when you're young, maybe insecure, or you just don't know actually how the business goes, it's also very dangerous. For me, it's like almost everybody's dream, isn't it? Like you're going to get attention from labels. You are, people believe in you. There's this big opportunity ahead. But where I find it so interesting is that it's that it's opposite. What's going on in your head mentally is that it's not so good. And the reality is it's not fun. It's not um, something that you want to do or, 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 there's like a disconnect in the way that they view you and the way that you view yourself as a musician how do you um, reconcile those two uh, opposing things happening at the same time like it must have been quite stressful I think well that was crazy and that I think that was the conflict um, inside of me as well inside of the band that you know you get the opportunity to sign contracts you're in the media, the media comes home to you because they may want to make a home story for one of the biggest um, TV things in Switzerland, everything like that. But it just didn't feel right. And in the end, mm. we we sort of, we weren't forced, no, but we signed contracts that we, after we split up with the manager, we had to fight to get out of these contracts. Because I think in those days, there was still the idea that maybe once in your life, you get you get to sign the contract mm, and that yeah. contract changes your life. It's not. It's not. Yeah. There are so many possibilities. But when you're when you're young and as well, I mean, none of us as well, our families, they didn't know the business as well. So, yeah. So we signed stuff we shouldn't have yeah. signed. But I um, want to, um, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I just want to focus in on that because when you say like, you think that it's that one chance, that one opportunity, and this is the one contract that you can sign. But the reality is, there's over the course of your life, there are actually going to be other opportunities. I think that's a great lesson for for young people coming into the industry. Maybe to like, I mean, what 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 is the correct approach when somebody comes to you with a contract? If you're a young musician starting out. What would you say? Well, of course, there's the legal side. You have to, to take care that you're you're getting advice and everything. And we have that here in Switzerland. You can get it almost not, not everywhere, but there are places you can get it. You know, we had it as well, but, but we didn't know that our advice... <laughs> Well, was actually on the side from a manager. That was a person who who went to school with our manager. We didn't know that. You so know, conflict of interest, like a, right it, there. Yeah, yeah, it is, and it's like a B a B story. Look, like a B movie. Sometimes I think the whole story of the Delilahs in the beginning as a girl trio. So many things happened. I thought, well, this is like in a film. Really, is that reality? We need to get it in a film. We yeah, need to. I th- one day, one day, maybe. one day, and. I think I can just say with all the experiences that I made, it's it's about saying no. It's about standing up and saying, no, I don't think so. And mm. this is not my way. But this is so hard when you're 17, 18 and you're, you're sort of the opposite is male, mm-hmm. double your age, twice your age or yeah. older. 
and who's right in the end i mean mm. very often it's just like yeah the guy is right he's got all the experience and everything so we we had to fight very often to be heard and yeah to actually prove that we were right and in the end we were right we made the right decisions as a band to split up to go our own way we lost everything we lost a drummer as well in that mm. period it was just isabella the guitarist and me <laughs> no money, no band bus, no manager, no label, no album, nothing. But yeah. it was worth it because, yeah. and now going back to what I would advise as well, go with your belly voice. Go with the voice within you that tells you, no, this is not my way. I'm not going to be a puppet. I'm not going to be a Barbie playing whoever's song just to be sort of famous and on, on, on nice and to have nice photos. No, I'm a musician from the from the bottom of my heart. Yeah. And I'm going to go my way. If you are involved in music as a hobby, profession or both, sign up for free on the Helvetia Rocked Music Directory. It's a platform for women, non-binary, trans and intersex people in the Swiss music industry. For singers, instrumentalists, bookers, managers, sound engineers, photographers and many more of all levels. It's about visibility, it's about community, it's about empowerment. We invite all of you to participate in the project. For further information, go to musicdirectory.ch. Um, I want to ask you some of the ways that you can make money as an artist. We, we're in partnership with Suiza and, and they they deal with uh, collecting royalties for Swiss artists. Um, what are some of the ways that you as an artist can make money or, 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 or even the business model that um, people can know of? All right, so I think there are many ways and that's that's um, what, I also tr- what I'm trying to explain to, to young musicians is that it's not just just black and white in sense of you have to be 100% full musician you have to study it and you have to earn with uh, playing gigs and everything or just work 100% and do music as a hobby i always went the middle way means that i was working in the music industry actually all my all my life i didn't study i worked as a booker i worked as a uh, i did some radio shows i did um i was working in a youth club Several things. I obviously worked at, at the bar as well. Yes. <laughs> but, um, I always try to get some basic money, not from playing concerts or writing songs, so that I could actually have, really have the base to live on. And then everything else I earned with money was like the good money. It was the money I didn't have to pay like my my handy or, or my flat, so I could really put that apart. And for me, it's about writing songs. You know, I don't, I don't actually like, I don't like uh, thinking of music in, in, in money ways. I think <laughs> music for me is so much more, but to have the control of what you're doing and to also be able to earn some money, you should yeah. start to write songs because yeah. that's, that's also my biggest pleasure in everything. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. Uh, you've been in a band for 17 years. I want to take you back to the beginning. Um, but what, what was the scene like? I mean, when I was listening to your music, it really took me back. I was such a fan of that sort of pop punk music. I love your harmonies. I love the way the guitars sound. Um, but what was the scene like at the time for, for you? I, in the beginning, when I, when I was a bit uh, younger, I didn't know if I was actually allowed 
to play punk rock music in sense of going on stage sweating just that little thing sweating on stage is so normal isn't it but yeah. in the beginning we were like oh good we can't sweat we're girls maybe it's maybe it's really disgusting maybe people react negative but yeah so um i think we didn't have idols we didn't have role models in that time i remember the first time i ever saw a full girl rock band on tv was the donnas and i was about 14 yeah i mean yeah. that was the first time ever i saw a band the way i would actually like to 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 make music myself and yeah that was that was strange if you think of it because this is not a normal way to actually grow up in music and not having role models like that so yeah. it was it was a very very different scene i'd say i'm happy that things have changed since mm -hmm. then Let's go on. Let's listen to some of the music that you've prepared for us. Your first track, Queen. Um, mm -hmm. Can you tell us about that? What was it like recording that track, first of all? So that was actually the first real production. We've, we've been working with a producer. And I remember the demo of Queen that I wrote in my home studio was so crappy. So crappy, but I had that riff like do 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 do, and then um, I was working with that producer. The first time ever, I actually had sort of a yeah, we were working as a duo on that track. He just gave me some small, really small inputs that pushed me onto another level, and that's how the sound of Queen, as well the album Past True Lost, sort of developed. And I still love that song I love the bass line I love playing it live we just had a fantastic concert that weekend really cool and I mean Queen to, 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 to play Queen live is just fantastic I think as well there I just learned so much in every production I did and now I'm, a, I'm on a different level than I was 2013 when we actually produced that album and that song and also in studios most often well I always had to work or could work with male producers. Um, they were good and everything, but also there I, I, I had some problems being heard. You know, when I say one thing, I always thought they don't listen to me as much as if I was, uh, yeah, twice the age and male. So also there I always had to fight to get heard. And now, yeah, I, I've, I've learned, at least I learned some, some good lessons. So now I know how to cope with it. <laughs> cool, well, let's listen to Queen.
about, you know, you mentioned um, that your band, uh, you know, you had all this interest from from the, 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 the media, the Swiss media, you got to a level. But then after that, you know, you split from your management, you had to start from scratch. But this idea of being ex-hype, um, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with coming out the other end of having all this attention, but starting from the, from the beginning again? Well, one side, it was fantastic because it was just us. We could decide everything. There was no psycho terror anymore, if you could say that. There was no stress from, mm. from that ex-manager part. Um, but also, we didn't have, as I just said, we didn't have money. We didn't have a band bus. We didn't have a drummer. We didn't have anything. So it was a hard time, but it, it felt like a therapy, I guess, because we had to go that way. And then we also had to sort of um, build up um, the way people perceive us, the, the way people think of us as a band live, because I think also that during the hype, we were put on stages like, you know, big festivals, main stage um, too early. We weren't, we just weren't there yet. But mm. I mean, how could you with 18 years say no to a festival that wants to book you? That's yeah. not huge, you know. It's no hard one to would say, say no. no. No, but now, now I would say no, you know. It says, well, now I'm ready. But <laughs> knowing yeah. what I know now, I should have said no. So we had to rebuild really the reputation as well. And um this is a that that was a long way, but it was worth every step. It was worth every concert and every every tear and every every sweat actually, because it feels so good and so real. And it's us. So everything we've built up since then, it's us. We did yeah. it. So I think we have to we have to maybe talk about success. What is success? You know, absolutely. Is it yeah. is it to be famous? Is it to be everywhere and people know your name, or is it about, hey, I can do my stuff, and there are people out there that love it, and I love it. So I mean, this gives me satis satis um, satisfaction as well as I think for me that's success. Uh, you guys do a lot of touring, a lot of like shows. But what sort of advice would you give to people going on tour, like a band who's preparing for their first tour? Like what sort of things have you learned? What kind of shortcut can you give to um, bands just starting out? Okay. Um, like what should you pack? Like let's get really exactly. specific. Exactly. I, <laughs> I was just thinking of. I mean, you know, I was I was quite good in packing everything you need, and then you're in the bus, and someone says, "Well, does anyone have? I don't know. I don't even know what." And I was saying, "Yes, I have it." <laughs> so oh, it's that like satisfaction. <laughs> like I've got it. I mean, a, a cushion. How do you say that? Yeah, like a, a cushion. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Then I had a gas cooker actually in the band when. You never know. <laughs> that is the one. Oh my god! Who would even think to have a gas cooker? Because well, you can make coffee. Where on the side of the road, you could put everything. your pasta in there. Yeah, yeah, That's such a good. And you yeah. know, in, the, in those days, the 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 things you can disinfect. How do you say? Yeah, disinfect your hands. Disinfect. Thank you. Yeah. Your hands. I mean, I used to have it all, ten years ago. I used to take it on tour because I knew, you know, dirty hands, dirty clubs. So yes. things like that, and now it's everywhere, actually. 
take something which you can use to to shut off as well because being in a band bus eight hours with yeah your band could be your family could be your worst uh, enemies so be prepared to also be able to shut down a bit and chewing gums Brilliant. That That is absolute, like, proper practical advice. So let us um, go to the audience question. And the question is, do you ever doubt yourself? And how do you not let it get a hold of you? Yeah, this is uh, something inside me that started when I was the third keyboard in the band, The Shy Girl, that I never actually questioned myself in those moments where I made music because I'm a very critical person I'm a perfectionist but I sort of found the button inside of me where I could push and just be and do without having the brain that always sort of kicks and says well you shouldn't do that and maybe if you do that on stage people think you're crazy and everything so that's why I sort of found that button and I can really just um, suggest or hope for others to to have a look to find that button within yourself because you can always analyze concerts or did I sing well in that part? Did I perform well? You can always look at those things but do it after the concert. Do it maybe the, the day after or a week after the concert. Just let, for example, a concert, a performance, let it be and mm. give everything you can in that moment because if you're blocked on stage, if you're like shy on stage in a negative way there's also the cute way of shy on stage of course but if you always question yourself you you will not be able to to get really to the to the source of power within yourself and mm. we have so much power in, inside it's crazy and this is something I, I get to see when I when I make uh, workshops or, or camps with Helvetia Rock very often that phrase of am I good enough am I allowed to be on stage am I allowed yeah. to be loud it's so hard how many people question themselves and just just don't just switch off the brain there just switch yeah. it off you know and in the beginning i mean the first 50 concerts or even more i did were, weren't good obviously and maybe the next hundred were okay but then you get to a point you get a bit older more experienced and you, then you suddenly really like the things you do you really like to even listen to a live concert of yourself i mean this is hard Listening yeah. the day after to a live concert, you just did. I mean, that's hard in the beginning, <laughs> but you get there. You just get there. It takes some time. I'm I'm loving the fact that it's about sort of allowing yourself to be present in the moment and yep. not not being in a space where you already think you're going to be looking back on yourself because that just just messes with 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 everything I think exactly you have to to let go in that moment because mm. after or before hopefully more after you will have time to realize and analyze everything you did and then you can be critical and then you can make everything and you can also I also also had many downers I doubted myself very often but then I came back you know yeah. I always came back and in those moments where it was important I didn't doubt myself yeah I'm interested, to, do you remember any venues that you played in the UK? Did you play in London at all? Yeah, like the Dublin Castle. Ah, uh, yeah, I played Water there. rats. <laughs> Water rats. Oh, yes. my God. I, let me show you something. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> let me show you. This, this was my band live at the no. Water Rats. Oh, my God. 
god, I'm so, I'm so cool. gutted that there's not a year. But this was one of our favourite gigs, actually. Um, but when when but was that I, around? For those people who are listening, sorry, maybe I might cut this out. But for those listening, I'm showing Muriel a poster of my old band playing um and it's a poster where we're playing live at the water rats thursday april the 30th <laughs> honestly your music was really a bit of me i could have honestly have gone to see you uh, i was listening to a lot of um uh, of uh, sort of uh, guitar music pop punk and especially women in in bands i loved it a lot actually i saw on your um youtube you've got a uh, cover of bikini kills rebel girl and that is yeah. one of my favorite, all-time favorite songs, actually. Yeah. Um, why did you choose to cover that song and, and put that in your particular set? So we have a set where we only play like our favorite punk rock and punk songs. Um, it's called Delilah's 77. And I have to say there that once, uh, I think I was about 13, 14, I got an MP3 CD, existed then, you know. Very yeah. cool. From from a friend who just put all those um yeah ride girl bands everything, and that that song was actually on there, and it's it it just never never left my brain and yeah. that was really important for me to listen also to that kind of music. I just had that CD, you know. Miriam, and um, I had the exact same thing. I can't even believe like my friend made me a CD and yeah. that song was on it. Yeah. Amongst yeah. other, with Hole, with um, yeah, exactly, with uh, a band called Tsunami Bomb, with um, uh, the Distillers was on that. Yeah. But my friend made a CD. But I can't, as you were saying that, I was like, oh my god, we had the exact same experience. But it's but yeah. crazy, isn't it? You just get that CD, and for you, it's like gold. It's like it's more than gold. It's like wow. Yeah, because it introduces I mean, you to so many bands that you wouldn't yeah. necessarily know. And now people for. But the cool thing about the Spotify and everything is that people really have access to all all that kind of music that we didn't, you know? Yeah. We yeah. didn't have that. Or I didn't. But tell me about uh, Delilah 77. You are using that as an opportunity to, to explore more of the punk songs that you want to uh, play, that you like. Yeah, I think it started like that, that we... Um, we love those songs, full stop. And I, I, it was like that. My, my, my father had his 40th, no, 50th, 50th birthday. And um, we just played a cover set for him. And that's how it started that we thought maybe we could play that as well on stage. And um, I think now, looking back, we did it as well to have inside of the band of Delilah's, which um, at times was heavy, you know, was always a bit with... Um, expectations and you know making an album was a lot of work a lot of energy blah 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 so we just did that Delilah 77 set to have fun just to really mm -hmm. have fun inside of Delilah's to be like to have it as a hobby <laughs> let's say yeah. like that so that's how we started and we played some gigs live and many people loved it especially our fans more from the punk rock or punk side and with that said, we can also play in smaller bars. We really play the bars. We're back to playing every toilet there. And it was so fun. Yeah, yeah. Muriel, we've come to the end of our interview, our conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. We um, are going to listen to your last song. Can you introduce your last song for us? 
Yeah, it's Wheels. It's taken from our EP that just got out. It's a song I wrote, I think, a year ago with my crappy, crappy acoustic guitar. Just single note lines, added it up to one. Um, I recorded it with my iPad and then I went to the band and they said, yes, let's do it. <laughs> Join the Helvetia Rocked community or find out more, check out the website, sign up for the newsletter and follow us on social media.
And if you like what you've heard today, please share it with your friends. Musicians in Conversation is a concept by Natalia Anderson in collaboration with Helvetia Rocked. It's presented and produced by Natalia Anderson. Music is by Jesse Quart.